Hello, everybody. How are we doing? How are we doing? I am your host, Manoli, and here we are at Manoli's Musings. Hello, hello. Well, I'm doing really good with my goal of having more episodes as I have released one in over a month. Um, doing really good here, folks. Doing really, really good. In my defense, I did start a new job, and that's kind of been keeping me busy, but I'm here now, so take it or leave it. That's what I say. You get what you get. You know, if maybe if you guys, you know, maybe threw a little money my way, I might, I might have to produce some more episodes. But until then, you know, this is unfortunately not the top priority, but it is important to me and I still want to do it. So here I am talking to you. How have you been? I've been fine, Manoli. Well, that's good to hear. I've been busy. I've been busy. I went to, uh, I went to Florida the other, uh, earlier, I guess it was last month now, I went to Florida, and uh, it's an interesting trip. I, I hadn't been anywhere in quite some time, and I went with my family, and I went to work. I worked a full day, and then I flew out that, that Friday and got back on Monday. And um, I went, and this is, what, this is what happened. So I get to the airport, and I go through security, and I go through the metal thing, the metal detector. And I had to go back, back out. I had pre-checked, so they sent me through the, the old one, the regular one. I had to go back out because my wallet was uh, metal, and it set it off, so I put it in the bin. Anyway, so I get out, I grab my stuff, and I go. I go to the lounge, and, uh, you know, because what's, what's the point of flying if you're not going to have a drink or two or ten or... <laughs> no, not that many. Uh, but, you know, have a little... Have a little cocktail before you fly. That's always the ritual. You know, everybody everybody drinks in the airport, you know. It could be 7.30 in the morning and you find somebody, somebody's going to be drinking it up. But anyway, this was in the evening. It was, it was, it was acceptable. And uh, so we went to the lounge, had a couple of drinks, had some hors d'oeuvres. And uh, anyway, I go to get on the plane. Short flight, easy flight. Should be a big deal. Anyway, we're taxiing. I don't know why they call it that. We're taxiing. And the woman behind me, I don't know, she, she keeps turning on her. It's always behind me. It's always in my vicinity, always around me. There's always either the person next to me or behind me or wh- whatever. It's always, I'm always involved. Anyway, so I'm sitting there, minding my own business for taxiing. I'm listening to Monteverdi or Handel or uh, something. I don't know. Something like that. I, I like to listen to that on the planes. I don't know why. Um, anyway, so I'm listening to my music, and then the woman behind me, she keeps pressing the help button, the flight attendant. And they make an announcement. They said, uh, if it can wait, you need to wait till we're in the air. We're almost about to take off. I mean, we're almost to the, the runway. We're about to get up in the air, and that would be it. And uh, they t- they must be able to flip a switch because they turn her light off and then she press- put it back on. And I'm not trying to shame this woman, but the flight attendant goes or- goes over there. He's she's basically like, "What do you want?" She's like, "I gotta go to the the bathroom." So she went to the bathroom and that took uh, some time. And uh, so their flight got delayed because of that. And then uh, I'm really not trying to shame this woman. I'm just trying to tell the story. So that happened. I'm sitting there, and you know it's always hotter on the ground. For some reason, because the air doesn't kick in really until you get up in the air, so we're all sweating, waiting for this lady to get out the head. 
And she finally goes to the laboratory, as they call it on the airplane. And she comes and she sits back down behind me and we take off and we're sitting there on the plane and I know this, uh, the, the, they're bringing the beverage cart through and I thought, well, maybe I'll get a snack or something else, uh, snack or a drink, most likely a drink. And, uh, anyway, the beverage cart's coming through and, uh, I'm like, okay, I'm, I might get something. And I, I reach for my wallet, check my left pocket. It's not there. Check my right pocket. It's not there. And, and I, re- I realized what had happened is I, uh, I went through security. I, I put my phone in the bin. I put my backpack on the belt. I put my wallet. I tried to go through and I had to go back out. I put my wallet in a separate bin. And when I left, I grabbed my phone and my backpack. And I did not grab my wallet. And even though I laid eyes on my passport earlier that day and I thought to myself, should I bring this? Nah, I don't need it. I'm going to Florida. I didn't have my passport. So my wallet had everything with my name on it. ID, insurance card, credit cards, whatever. The whole thing. My whole life was in the wallet. I mean, thank God I had some cash. Anyway. Um, anyway, so I'm, I'm kind of I'm starting to sweat now because I'm worried about my wallet. And I'm like, I'm like well, how the hell am I going to get back to Charleston whenever this trip is over? And... I'm starting to sweat. I'm starting to, you know, have a mild Manoliism, a little little Manoli uh, moment, and and I hear the woman behind me as she's breathing heavily. And then she calls the flight attendant over, and I hear her say the words, "I'm gonna throw up." <laughs> and literally, me and the guy next to me, in unison, reached in front of us into our seat <laughs> to the pocket. The thing in front of us, and we grabbed our barf bags and we just handed them back to her. Because, I mean, I'm starting to sweat, and the woman is having a, an episode behind me. And I mean, God bless her, but I mean, why is it always behind me? I mean, couldn't you be in front of me or across the aisle behind me? I'm in the blast zone. Are you kidding me? And she says I'm going to be sick, and so I, I handed her my the bag, and I, I just re- I really didn't want to be. I, I didn't want anything to do with that. And so I don't know what the hell they did for her. They, they took my VIN and they pointed it back at her. And I'm like, well, hello. I mean, I, I'm hot too. But, you know, I, I thought about it for a little bit. And I'd rather be a little hot to be covered in, you know, her vomit. But the lady made it through the flight. Thank God. Thank God. Nothing else happened except for the fact that I had a little panic attack about my wallet. But... It was all okay. And, you know, the funny thing is, is that I sat at that lounge for 90 minutes. I sat at that lounge. And TSA, they wait until we get on the plane to make a phone call. And they ended up calling my dad. It wasn't even his stuff. Somehow they found his number and they called him and they said, you left your wallet in the uh, the belt. It's like, well, it wasn't my wallet. And I went back there. I was sitting alone. Not alone. There was somebody next to me. But I had bought my flight separate and Anyway, I wasn't sitting with them at the point. So I went back there. I'm like, I think I left my wallet. I started talking. They're like, did you leave your wallet? I was like, yeah. And I, I mean, this is the genius that I am. I'm such a genius. I go through. I could have just put the wallet in the backpack. I could have had my passport. I could have had something. But no, I just screw myself yet again. Yet again, that's what I do best. That's what I do best. I'm, your, I'm my own worst enemy. But... Anyway, I did end up having a good time on the vacation, aside from the flight issue. Uh, 
I had a good time on the vacation. I went, you know, we went to Florida, went to Orlando for, I guess, what is that, three days? Two, three days. And uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, leave on Monday. Yeah, three days. And uh, I didn't have my ID the whole time, but uh, I was able to get my annual pass and I went to the park. We went to Universal. Did I say that? I think I did. He's a little rusty today. Uh, anyway, so I took Leo on all the rides. Leo's my brother. He's seven. And my sister was there. She goes to school in Florida, but she drove down and met us. And, uh, anyway, I went on all the rides. All the rides. The Harry Potter rides. Uh, I like the roller coasters. The Velocicoaster is a lot of fun. It goes about 70 miles an hour. It launches you. I like that. I like to launch. You know, I mean, although sometimes going up the chain hill is also fun because it builds a suspense. But the launches are really fun. It launches you. You go upside down, I think, four times. It does like this barrel roll thing. You think you're going to fall out into the lake. And uh, it's like a 155-foot drop or something. The thing is great. I love it. I like the roller coasters. You feel like you're going to die, but you live. Uh, it's great. <laughs> anyway, I like the Velocicoaster. I like the Hulk. The Hulk is a classic. The Hulk's been there since 1999. Velocicoaster just opened. So they're both, they're both my favorites. I like them both. The Hulk is a classic. You go upside down, I think, seven times on that one. Seven times upside down. That's a lot. And then you got other rides. You got the Harry Potter rides are great. The Mummy is great. Always a classic. Always always been a fan of that one. Uh, great rides at Universal. And I like to walk around, you know, walk around the park and do the whole thing. Leo has started to ride more things. He rides some of the bigger rides now. He's... He's getting taller and taller, and he's getting braver and braver. And so I, I take him on all the stuff. I take him on the, the Harry Potter rides and all, all that stuff. It's always a good time. Always a good time. And he, the little guy, he, he, he likes to talk. So there's never a dull moment standing in line with Leo. That's for sure. Um, I'm trying to think what else we did. We went to, uh, we had a good time. I mean, that, that was really it. We rode rides. We walked around. We ate. Oh, did I eat? I ate so much. I ate and I ate and I ate, and you know, like uh, you know, vacation. I want to have a cocktail, and I didn't have much luck because I have my ID. And uh, sometimes I would go to show them a picture of it, and they said, "We don't care. We can't take that." I was like, "Well, I guess that's it then." Uh, anyway, but a few places I managed to get through. I am twenty four years old. I wasn't doing anything illegal, but even though it felt like that, uh, it felt like I was back in high school. Oh. Back in high school, but I never, I didn't touch alcohol until I was 21. So there you go. That That's for the record there. Uh, I felt like I was back in high school because people my age were doing that, but not me. No, never, never me. Never would do such a thing. Um, anyway, uh, anyway, but we went back and I did manage to get through TSA. They asked me some questions and you know, they, anyway, I, I guess I'm not supposed to talk about it. I don't know. But I managed to get through was the point. Uh, and then on the plane back, I uh, the woman next to me, she was better than the woman behind me. You know, she wasn't having, about to have a gastrointestinal disaster, which was a, a, an upgrade. Uh, but she, she also had some quirks about her. There were times where she would just, she looked like she was in agony. I'm like, do I smell that bad? And then she started filing her nails. And I, I just have to say, there should be no personal grooming on the airplane. No, none of that. No filing nails, no cutting nails, no 
flossing, no brushing the teeth. No, I mean, go to the bathroom. Why are you doing that next to me? I don't want your your nail particles in my space. Keep it over there. Stay, don't file your, I mean, what, what are you doing? No haircuts, no manicures and pedicures, no waxing, no nothing. No, no bodily function on the airplane. Please. Nothing. I mean, what, I mean, where, where is the decorum? I'm just trying to mind my own business and have to deal with your nail. Anyway, isn't that big a deal, Manoli? It is to me. It is to me because it, it's not the place for it. Do that in the privacy of your own home or go to the laboratory, but leave me out of it, okay? Is that so much to ask? I don't want to be vomited on. I don't want, I want my air bit. I don't want you filing your nails next to me and I certainly don't want it. it it never ends. Um, but overall, it was a good time. I, I never really spent much time talking about the trip itself. It all kind of blurred together. When you're walking and eating and riding and walking and riding and walking and walking and walking. Must have walked 18 miles that trip. But it was a good time. It's good to see my sister, Markella. She, she's okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, she's, she's a wonderful sister. Um, it's good to be with my family again. I hadn't been on the trip with them in quite some time, so I, I enjoyed it. Um, I guess that's all I have to say about that. I thought about a funny story the other day, and this is totally a non sequitur. But it made me laugh, and I wanted to share it with you. Uh, it's a, it concerns my friend Bryce. Do you remember Bryce? He was on the show. We talked about airports and things. He, he's kind of a quirky guy. Uh, old Brycey. But a good friend of mine. Very, very good friend of mine. I really like him. Uh, one time, and this is the ideal, I mean, this is my sense of humor. This is, these are the things that make me laugh. Because I thought about this story the other day. I don't even remember what, what triggered it. But I thought about this story, and I just started cracking up laughing. And I hope you enjoy. So we were at, this was in seventh grade. I went to school with Bryce from first grade through high school. We went to the same college. I've known him for too long. Is really what I, That's what I said at his wedding when I gave the toast. I said, I've known you for too long. Uh... This is it. You know, delete my phone number and we'll be done. But, alas. Um, anyway, so this was in seventh grade. And we took a class trip. They took us to some camp up in the hills of North Carolina called Canuga. The whole grade went. And uh, anyway, with, we were going somewhere. I don't remember. They, they was, it was a campground. They had the cabins. And then they had like a basketball court. And, you know, it had, it had like a covered roof over it. So it was like a, it was open air, but it had a covered roof. Very complex concept, I know, but just bear, bear with me here. Anyway, so they had this roof and I don't know, I, there was a, some kind of ball was laying around. I remember the soccer ball or volleyball, I don't know what it was. And I don't know why, I, I was never, I never did stuff like this. But for some reason, I decided I'm going to drop kick this ball. I'm going to kick the hell out of it. And so I did. And I drop kicked it. And the thing, that was the best kick I ever had. It shot up so fast, faster than I ever believed. It hit the roof, the roof, the roof. And it, it ricocheted off of that. And it was going even faster. Now, the thing must have been, it was, the thing was like the speed of light. It was like it went to warp speed. And it, I launch it up into the air. It hits the roof, and then it comes crashing down. And who does it? <laughs> it's Bryce right at the back of the head. So hard. He's okay, but oh man, <laughs> did that make me laugh? And he got so mad. 
he started yelling, oh, throw that, oh, throw that. And he started pushing people. And I, I didn't know what to do. I just ran away. And I guess he saw me run or somebody saw it or something. And he came and found me. And I don't know what happened. I just tried to explain it was an accident. And then the music teacher, Mr. Bab, uh, we called him the Babinator. He, he, he settled it between us. It was an accident, honest to God, but it was a, a pretty funny accident. <laughs> I wonder if he remembers that story. I don't think he, he probably doesn't remember it, but I remember it because it was funny. And, you know, I like physical humor. I have the sense of humor of an eight-year-old boy. People falling, people getting hit with things. That, that's the kind of stuff I like. You know, that, that, that's it. it. There's nothing There's nothing funnier than that. It was a total accident, but, eh, he's fine. I'm not going to apologize for it. No, I, I think I apologized back then. We've 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 moved on in our friendship. This was seventh grade. What is that? Over ten years ago. I think I could tell the story. It's a funny story. Um, I wonder if he remembers it. I'm going to have to ask him. Anyway, what what else is going on? I've been thinking about restaurants recently. Restaurants. I, I talk about restaurants a lot. I guess I like to eat. Uh, who doesn't? You know, but. You know, I was thinking about restaurants the other day, and I was driving, and there's this place downtown, and there's always a line. And I'm like, what are you, what are you waiting in line for? I mean, what food is worth waiting in line? They go up every every Sunday. They line up to go into this place. And I just don't understand it. Like, what's so special about that place? For brunch? For brunch? You could go anywhere. You can make brunch at home. Why do you got to stand in line at this place? I will never do that. I won't be that. I'm not that guy. I'm not the trendy guy. I don't care what's hot, what's this and what's that. I want to go somewhere where it's worth the money, where the people are treat me well, where it's a good time and a good atmosphere and not a bunch of people trying to be, you know, the hype. You know, they, they get in with the hype and they get they get lost in it because they can't think for themselves. But anyway, I, I the, the, the last one was this one. I, I'll tell you about it. I can't say the name of the place on the air, but if you ask me, I'll tell you exactly what it was. Because I've had it. I've had it with the new restaurants. These places open up. Oh, it's the best thing in the world. Oh, it's amazing. It's great. It's fantastic. It's You got to try it. You got to try it. Oh, this and that and this and that. And, you know, I, I try to wait. I think this new place, it opened up, uh, let's just say, on a, in a different part of town. It's not downtown, but it opened up close to downtown. Uh I, I, I don't want to say too much because I know too many people and they might hear this or it might get back to them. And, you know, I, I really try to be, I try to be nice. You've done nothing, Manoli, but crap on people this whole podcast. Well, you know, I try is the key word here. Um, anyway, so I, I go to this, I, the place that was hyped up, hyped up. Oh, you got to try it. You got to try it. You got to try it. Okay. I gave it eight months. I think eight, nine months I gave it. Long time. You know, and people were still talking about it. I was like, okay, I'll bite. I'll give it a try. It was after my voice lesson. And usually after my voice lesson, I go to one and two spots. They treat me well. They know me there. I, I always have a good time. It's always a good experience. But this time I said, you know what? I'll try something new. So I go to this place. It was a bad sign when I get in and I want to see at the bar. And uh, we're on a wait. It's a Thursday night. Okay, Thursday night. Okay, whatever. I'm here now, so I may as well wait. I must have waited eh, maybe 15 minutes. It's not so bad. I ran into some people I knew there. Nice people. They actually, actually, when I sat down, they sat me 
There wasn't a seat at the bar, which was disappointing, but there was a table near the bar. And I sat down and I actually knew the people sitting next to me. And they actually bought me a drink, which was very nice of them. And uh, it helped uh, alleviate some weight off of the tab there. So I really appreciated it. Uh, anyway, but I, I, I sit down and, you know, I, I already happened to wait. I don't like to wait. I just said I don't, I don't wait. But since I was there, it was late. I gave in. I said, you know what? I'm here. I'm just going to do it. I didn't do it intentionally, but I did it. But it, it, it made me, it irks me. Anyway, but I'm sitting there, and I'm looking at the menu, and it looks pretty good stuff. I like fish and seafood and, you know, good, good stuff. And I said, what do you recommend? They said, well, well, the tuna tartare is very good. I said, okay, I'll try that. I like tuna. They said, the crab cakes, oh, they're the best in the city. And I'm thinking, okay, Charleston's been here for like over, you know, 350 years. 1670, they established Charleston. I think they've made some better crab cakes in the past, you know, three and a half centuries. But, okay, best crab cake in the city. Everyone says that. Everyone, who's everyone? Who are these people that say that? Oh, it's amazing. Oh, it's great. It's it's like the rabble. They, they, they just say things. Who is they? I've always wondered this. Who is they? They say. Who is they? I want to talk to they. I want to take them. I want to say, what were you thinking? I digress. Um, anyway, the crab cakes are the best in the city. Okay, okay. It's a, it's a lot of crab, right? It's it's not like a bunch of filler and corn and uh, 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 nonsense they put in there half the time. No, it's a bunch of crab. Okay, lump crab. Okay, very good, very good, very good. Anyway, the tuna comes, and I will admit, tuna's pretty good, but, you know, at, at the same time, it's not, you don't have to cook it. It's raw. I like Ramsey when he says that, Gordon Ramsey. He goes, it's raw. It's raw. Um... Anyway, the tuna is raw, but it was good. I like the tuna. The tuna was good. I'll give them the tuna. So it was It was basically one point in the positive, one point in the negative. The negative was that I had to wait and that I couldn't sit at the bar, but the positive was that the tuna was actually pretty good. Again, you don't have to cook it. All you have to do is put it on the plate. It's kind of hard to mess up, but, you know, I've had worse tuna, so I'll give them that one. This place shall not be named unless you ask. Uh, anyway, so the crab cakes come. And it's two crab cakes with some fries. At least they gave you that for 40 something dollars for two crab cakes and fries. And it was like the fries were nothing special. I mean, you have to have good fries. If you don't have good fries, that's a sign. That means something's really bad. The fries were nothing special. And the crab cakes... The best in the city. It was like they were made of clay. It was like eating a, a, a mud cake. It was disgusting. It was it was like falling apart. It wasn't cooked. It was like... It, it was nasty. I don't know what it was. I, 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 I don't know. It was like eating Play-Doh. It was disgusting. And that was it. That was the last one. I was like, you know what? If you can't make a crab cake, I'm not coming back. And that's it. It's the last trendy place I'm going to go to. I've said it before, but this is really it. I'm not giving it. I won't go unless it's been two years since they've been open. And then after that, maybe I'll go. But I'm telling you, I have about four or five restaurants in this city that I like. And I like the ones that I like. And a couple other ones I throw in there every once in a while because they're fine. But the ones I really like, it's probably five, five, maybe six. 
it ain't much. And I tell you, that place is not going to be on there. So what's the lesson here? The lesson is, you know, you got to give it more time, Manoli. And I, I, I shouldn't have done that. I knew better than that. I knew not to trust it. And it was, it was a total scam. I'm sorry to say it was a scam. Forty-something dollars for two crab cakes. I mean, you know, if it's Dungeness crab or king crab, you know, I don't know what kind of crab they use. I don't think it was anything special, but whatever, Manoli. Are you done? Are you done now? You had your little temper tantrum with the crab. Are you done? Are you done? I'm done. What's something you like, Manoli? I ever think about eggs recently. You know, I think I, I I went through a phase where I ate eggs. I ate an omelet every morning. My father, God bless him, he made me one every morning before school. And I think I got I ate so many omelets, I think I got egged out. But now the older I get, the more I like eggs. I, I like eggs. I, I like eggs Benedict. I, I like scrambled eggs. I, I like eggs. Omelets, of course. Who doesn't like an omelet? I like them when you get, you know, smoked salmon that has the, the egg in it. I, I like all that. I like eggs. I don't know what it is. I think the older I get, the more I like eggs. And I don't, I don't understand. I never consider myself an egg guy. But, you know, something about them I just like. It's simple. It's just an egg. It's an egg. And, you know, and there's another thing. It's, there's this connection. And I, I, I've had eggs on the brain. And so I, I realized, right? I didn't realize, but I heard about it, and I, I kind of validated it myself. If you watch The Sopranos, there's something with eggs. And if you pay attention, you will see it the next time you watch it. I can't explain. I mean, it's a long series, but there's there's several things with eggs and also with mayonnaise, which is, of course, made primarily from the egg. But there's something there. It's like eggs to, to the Sopranos is like oranges to the Godfather. Some kind of symbolism. Carmine Sr., he, he has he has like a heart attack while he's eating egg salad. Uh, Tony steps in a bunch of eggs at one point. And they call his cousin Tony B. Junior calls him Tony Egg. There's a thing with mayonnaise at the end of the Pine Barrens where Paulie has it on his on his face, and Tony gets mad. He goes, "You got mayonnaise on your chin? Mayonnaise, mayonnaise." He adds like an extra syllable. Um, but there's a thing with eggs and mayo in The Sopranos, and this is very interesting, very interesting symbolism. I don't know what it is, but I think you should watch for yourself. These are the things that you learn from this podcast: the egg connection. But, yeah, I, I like eggs. And I went to the other place, the place where I get the crab cake Benedict with the eggs and the crab cake. and the, That's a good crab cake. Um, I like that. And I was there with my mother and my brother. We were sitting in the room. And, oh, he's back on restaurants again. Yeah, okay. It was a wonderful brunch. It, it, everything was good. Crab cake Benedict is very good. It's a nice brunch, a nice Charlestonian brunch. The better crab cake in the city, I will say. And we're sitting there, we're sitting in this room, and it's, I have a decent crowd. And there's this group of six, these six ladies walk in, and they sit down, and I don't know what was going on. I don't know if they were drunk, or just, I don't know what was going on, but they they sit down, it was like they, they just took over the whole restaurant. They were so loud. And there, I looked over at one point, and there were all six, all six of them were talking. I kid you not, all six of them were talking. They were all talking at the same time. They were looking at each other and talking. I'm like, how, how does that work? What? What? Everybody's talking. Nobody's hearing anything. Nobody's listening. I'm like, what, what are y'all doing? Every single one of them was talking all at the same time and loud. 
and I, I, I can hear their conversation and they sit down and they get more champagne and more mimosas and more bellinis. I'm like, oh my golly, it's about to get about to get about to get hairy. And I'm sitting there at one point. I'm eating my meal and I look over at the table and they're all looking at me. And then they go back about their business, and I think one of them starts laughing, and I'm like, why Why does this always happen to me? Can you explain this to me? Why is it always, you know, I just try to mind my own business. I don't want to be the center of attention, but I look up, and there's six six of these ladies are just staring at me with their mimosas, and they, they stopped talking then. I don't know what was going on. They just were looking at me. I'm like, what do you want? It's always something. Always something with me. I don't know what it is. I just people are drawn to me for good and for bad, for better or for worse. They just they stop and they stare. And I don't know what it is. Do I have? Is there some kind of sign above my head that I can't see that just says "Look at me"? I I I really try to mind my own business, you know, because I I love people so much. As you can tell from the show, all I've done is complain, uh, but I really do. Uh, I love most people. Uh, no, I, I love everyone. It's just, you know, sometimes they make it harder. Some people make it harder than others, but that's okay. I'm not saying I'm surprised either, but by, by the same token, it's like, you know, can I just eat my food in peace without you people staring at me and laughing afterwards? What were you laughing at? What did I do? What did I do? I mean, I'm a funny guy, I think, but am I that funny? Funny how? Well, I digress, you know. What can you do? Um, what else is going on? You know, I saw this video of this 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 Greek. There's a Greek page on Instagram, and it was a wonderful video. It was this guy. He was a hundred years old, and he was dancing at the Panieri. And I said, "This is a great video." I mean, the guy. He was 100 years old. He moved better than most people do at 50 years old, or at 30 years old, or at 40 years old. The guy could move. I mean, this is. This is what the Greek lifestyle does to you. You could be 100 years old. There's an island in Greece. I think it's Ikaria. They live to be 100-something. You know, they have a good life. They walk everywhere. They eat good, fresh food from the Mediterranean. They have a nice family life, a nice friend group, a nice community. It does you wonders. They they have a simple, simple life, simple village life. But, you know, they live a long time. They're happy people. They got a great community. And, you know, why is it there? You could have a guy, a guy like that, he gets up there and he dances like he's half his age. And, you know, I, I just think that says a lot about the Greek, the Greek lifestyle, the Greek culture, and the Greek, uh, you know, what it, the spirit. I want to go move to Greece and, you know, live, live a nice life, maybe as a goat herder, maybe as a mastika farmer or a fisherman or something. You know, half, half the time I really, I really consider that. I don't know if I would be able to assimilate as easily. I should probably learn how to actually speak Greek. That would be a good start. But, you know, one of these days I could see myself just moving over there and just having a simple life. What's what's not to like? Nice food, nice people, good weather. Uzo, I mean, it's, it's a good life there. Uh, you know? What can I say? That's it. Okay, that's it. As my friend Angela says on YouTube, this great Greek YouTuber, you should really watch her stuff. She's very funny. Look up Angela's mom on YouTube. She's hilarious. She goes, okay, that's it. That's it. But, um, 
nice shout out there to Angela. Um, what else is going on? What else is going on? I was uh, I was sitting in the sauna yesterday. The first time I ever been into one of those. It, it was quite nice, actually. You know, you sweat it all out. I'm talking about eating, and then you sweat it out. You sweat. You sweat out the the toxins and the the everything. You, you just you try to sweat it out. I sweat so much in there. It was wonderful. Um, I was sitting in there. It was 145, 150 degrees, whatever it was, and I was watching The Godfather because it was on, and I was watching it, and I was so amazed. By that movie, and I, I hadn't watched it. I, obviously, I watched it. You know, probably, I don't know, I've watched it probably fifteen times in my life, but I hadn't seen it now in probably four years, five years, and I was just amazed. At, I forgot about how good it was because you think, yeah, yeah, it's good. The Godfather, everyone knows that, but it really is that good. And you know, say what you want about Al Pacino and the movies that he does now, and the movies he did in the nineties, and whatever. I, I don't, you know. The guy could act. I think he can still act. He's still good. The guy can act. And, I mean, you know, nobody... No, you can watch the scene where he goes and he kills Salazzo, the Turk. And he kills the ca- police captain, McCluskey. You watch that scene. He plays the whole scene with his eyes. Just watch his eyes, and it tells you everything you need to know about what he's thinking, how he feels, what the tension is, what the scene is like. He does it all with his eyes. It's amazing. And and I have to give credit to Francis Ford Coppola, too, because the way he builds attention in that scene, there's no music. There's no music, the whole scene. And it's the tension builds up because of how awkward it is. You hear the sounds of the people eating in the background. You hear the sounds of the, the waiter. He takes forever to uncork the wine. You hear the, the cork going, and then he, he pops, and... You hear the, them speaking Italian to each other, or rather, I think it's Sicilian more more accurately. It's more of, of a dialect. Um, and it just builds the tension. And you see, and when he goes to the bathroom to, to get the gun out from behind the toilet, um, you hear the train go by, and it, it's building up this tension, these noises and these sounds and the, the eeriness and the quietness of it. And he goes and he sits down, and that's really when he starts... He starts acting just with his eyes, and it's amazing. I don't think he moves at all until he finally gets up and he shoots them. Uh, <laughs> but and it, it, you know, it, it's surprising, but it's not surprising. You know what's going to happen, but it's so shocking just of how how meticulously they built the tension and how well Pacino plays it. Everybody plays it good. It's a great, it's a great movie. And then they, you hear the music as soon as he's done. He walks out. And you hear that da 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 ya, na, 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 na. and the great Nino Rota wrote the score, and then it goes into that great sequence which I like, and it's the uh, it has the newspaper headlines and it's intercut with the the guys they're they're in the mob war so they're like in they they say they go to the mattresses and it has um it has Coppola's dad playing the piano that attitude piano. And he's playing. He wrote that little ditty that he's playing. I think on the spot, but it's a it, it, it it's a good movie. I, I I don't need to tell anyone that, but it, it's better than it's better than you remember, which is even saying something. I read the book too. I read the book twice, and the book 
it gives you more backstory, but there's also this weird side plot with Johnny Fontaine that just goes on way too long, if you ask me. And I think in some ways the movie's better than the book, but the book gives you more backstory, more knowledge. And then I read the prequel, which was based off of an unfinished screenplay by Mario Puzo. Or maybe it was finished and it just never got picked up. It was called The Family Corleone. And then Sonny's the main character in that one. So that that's a that's worth the read as well. Um if you like that. But anyway, good movie. I've actually watched quite a few movies recently that I haven't talked about. I watched um I saw Killers of the Flower Moon, the new Scorsese movie, who is he's my favorite director, so I had to go see it. Um and it had Leo DiCaprio and De Niro, and it was the first time that they started in a feature film together with uh, Scorsese. But Lily Gladstone really stole the show. She played Leo's wife in the movie, and the movie is really long. It's three and a half hours, and it, it's a tough, it's not an easy watch. It's a nasty story, it's a grisly story, but it's a real story. And I think it's an important story to tell, just of how horrible these these people were manipulated by De Niro's character and DiCaprio's, and and the acting is very, very good. And the way that it builds attention, I mean, it, it it's hard to watch at times because just of how how horrible they were to, the, to these poor people. And it was just, um, especially to, to DiCaprio, to do the things that he did to his wife. And he still, he claimed that he loved her, or he supposedly did, but he did all these horrible things to her, basically killed her. Uh, she lives to the end of the movie, but it's it's something. It's a good movie. It's not a fun movie to watch. I don't. It's not a movie that I'm in a rush to see again. But it was a well told story, and I think uh, Scorsese did what he wanted to do with it. And uh, it's interesting. There's very little music throughout the whole movie. There's some into little music, you know, within, within the scenes. But as far as the score goes, it's really nothing. It's very. It's kind of like pulsing. It's very steady, low. It's very low key score. It's almost like the thing, the score of that movie, uh, just kind of like repeated motifs, and it, it it's a good movie. I mean, I, I liked it. I thought it was good. I thought Lily Gladstone should win the Oscar. I think she will win the Oscar. Um, but then again, who cares about the Oscars? Because they, you know, it's all a big show anyway. But if someone has to win, I hope it's her. Um, DiCaprio did a good job. His character had what I like to call. Diary of the Mouth. He just, uh, or not, not that, not not so much that, but what he had was what I like to call it's the last person in the ear disease. And it was whoever the last person in his ear was, he did that. So it was, it was somebody was manipulating him, whether it be De Niro's character, and he was good in the movie too, it was weird hearing him with a southern accent or western, midwestern accent rather. Um, he did a good job. But DiCaprio's character was fascinating. I mean, he was really dumb. But he was a. He was dumb, but he was smart in some ways, but really dumb in other ways. I mean, he kind of brought the whole thing crashing down at the end. Just the, he, it was because of him that they called on to what was really going on. But um, yeah, he was really dumb. I, I don't think he was smart at all, actually. But and he, what he had was that that last person in his ear disease, and it was just whoever was the last person. It was usually De Niro. He did that, and it took him down the dark path. I mean, he's responsible for his own actions. He did the crimes. He did the horrible things. But it was interesting to see because at one point he's going to testify, and then they get a hold of him, and then he's not going to testify, and then he's going to testify again. So it's a good movie. You should watch it. Um, 
I saw Napoleon, which was not quite as good. Um, I don't really know what the point is of that movie. I don't know what they were trying to say. I like Ridley Scott. I like Alien. I like Gladiator. I like The Martian. What else did he do? Um, I like all those movies. This one, I, I just... I don't know. I don't know what he was trying... I just don't know what he was trying to do. Uh, it was like, did they want us to take him seriously? Because he was kind of a joke in the movie. Joaquin Phoenix, I mean, perfectly cast, I will say that. But a lot of it was scenes with him and Josephine, and they were really cringy and awkward and just... It, it was not romantic at all, let's just say. It was really hard to watch and very cringy and very awkward. Um, yeah, you were not overly fond of either of them by the time the movie wrapped. Um, but there were some things that were done well. Particularly the scene of the Battle of Austerlitz. That was, I thought that was well done. It was kind of a... That was a good scene. That, that was well done. The ending, there was a scene between Napoleon and Wellington, which allegedly never happened. They never met. But I thought it was, I thought it was a good scene. I mean, you know, there's, you can take creative liberties here and there if you're trying to tell Telepoint, I think. Not so much. I mean, he, he went too far with it. He did. He had some really weird things in there, but that, that scene I didn't mind so much. I thought that was well acted and well written uh, and well done. Uh, but man, the scenes with him and Josephine, it was just weird and uncomfortable and yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I did like the scene of the coronation, though. That was pretty well done. Uh, it looked like the painting, the famous painting in the Louvre uh, that, I've, that I've seen with my own eyes, and I'm fortunate they've seen it. I was surprised they never mentioned that. You know, it's kind of a funny thing, the Mona Lisa, the most famous painting ever, basically. And it was actually, it hung in Napoleon's bedroom for, for some time, which is kind of a, it's kind of, that's a, definitely a status uh thing but they never mentioned that they never had that in the movie they should have had a shot where it was like hanging like kind of nonchalantly and that would kind of i thought i was surprised that they left that detail out but what do i know it, it was a two and a half hour movie you're telling the history of napoleon some things are going to get left out but they changed a lot and the tone of the movie was weird some of the action was good but overall i'd say it was a mixed bag and I'm in no rush to watch that again. But I tell you what, the, actually, my favorite movie that I saw this year, my favorite, I don't think it was the best, but I think it was my favorite, was the new Godzilla movie. It was really, really good. It was uh, Japanese-made and produced. It was in Japanese. You had to read the subtitles, and I'm sure my brother Leo had fun with that. He said he could keep up, so I, I guess his reading skills have improved a lot. Uh, he must be a good reader, but, but the movie is good. I like the movie. It, it had a real story. Um, a good story. I, I liked it. The, the acting was good. It was well written. Godzilla was freaking terrifying. I mean, in some movies, he's kind of like the good guy, you know, because you get Mothra in there and these other monsters and whatnot. And he's kind of like the, he's like, well, he's not really a hero, but he's not as bad as these monsters. But in this movie, he's the freaking villain. And he's genuinely scary. I mean, this is not, he, he, he's scary in the movie. But the movie is well acted. I like the message because it, it the the story is, um, the story is that the main character was a kamikaze pilot. It takes place right after World War Two. He was a kamikaze pilot, and he basically he didn't want to do it. Um, 
So he pretended like his plane had malfunctions and he missed, he basically backed out of his mission. And he gets back to Tokyo and it's been bombed and his and the people basically tell him like why are you still alive you're a kamikaze pilot you're you're the reason we lost basically but and which of course is not very good for him uh, and so he has this complex this survivor's guilt this this feeling like well he should have done more yada 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 um but he meets this uh lady who is she's this this woman in the village and she is taking in a child, which isn't even hers, but she's been watching it, and they kind of live together, and they kind of take up this kid, this child. But the whole movie, he feels like... So what happens is, is that he, when he backs out of the mission, and he's at the airfield, and he's acting like the plane's malfunctioning, and then Godzilla attacks the base, and he can't pull the trigger on Godzilla, so he feels guilty because everybody else died or almost everybody, so he feels A, guilty that he didn't die in the war, and B, guilty that he didn't, that all these other guys died, and he survived for Godzilla. So he basically has this whole complex where he feels like he needs to die, basically, or to sacrifice himself or whatever. So anyway, it, it's, a, it's a good movie. Uh, in the end, I mean, I, I'm going to spoil it here, but I think it's a, it's a good thing. In the end, he decides, they basically, basically everyone that was mad at him they kind of turn around and say, you know what? You need to, you need, people need you, you need to be around, you know, don't do this. Don't sacrifice yourself to try to stop Godzilla because he gets to that point. You know, we, we want you around. We like you. We love you. We need you around. I, I really like that. I thought it was a good story. It was a good message. It, it gave the guy something to live for. Uh, he, he went back and he, he raised this, this kid and his, he, he met this woman and it, it was a nice story. I really liked it. Um, it had influences of, I think, Jaws as well. There was a lot of that. And it, it was just a good movie. Honestly, it was well done all around. A good Godzilla movie. Who would have thought? <laughs> um, I, I mean, I love Godzilla, but it's not like high art usually. But this movie was really good. Godzilla Minus One, it was called. Um, very good. Very, very good. Very good. Um, yeah, so those were the movies I saw. I meant to see Ferrari, but I didn't get around to it. I'll have to watch it when it starts streaming. But, um, yeah, I would say watch Godzilla. That was that was a good movie. I, re- I really liked that one. Uh, and the Scorsese movie's good, and Napoleon. But I'm trying to think what else I saw this year. Oppenheimer I also saw. In the, I saw the Indiana Jones movie. So if I had to rank them, I would say personal list, not necessarily the best, because I think Oppenheimer was the best one I saw, but as far as my favorites go, I would say one would be, I think Godzilla was actually my favorite, and then Oppenheimer, and then I would put Scorsese, Killers of the Flower Moon, and then the bottom two, hmm, I guess Napoleon and then Indiana Jones, it's kind of like, those two are kind of at the bottom. I mean, Napoleon wasn't necessarily bad. It was just kind of aimless and meandering, and I didn't really know what the point was. Uh, I didn't know what they were trying to say about Napoleon. Interesting movie. Um, I, I'm not saying don't watch it. I'm just saying I, 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 I'm having a hard time grasping what the goal was. There's going to be a director's cut, which is going to be four hours long, and I don't know if I have the patience to sit through it, but I encourage you to watch it. Uh, if you're at all interested in it. I mean, it's not a bad... I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I'm just saying it's mixed. 
Not good, not bad, but mixed. I had a listener question. Uh, somebody basically wrote in, one of my commenters, uh, I think Maria is your name. Thank you, Maria. Um, or maybe it is. For some reason, your username doesn't pop up. It, it pops up like a bunch of letters and numbers. I, I can't tell what your actual name is, so I apologize if that's not it, but I think it's Maria. Maria asked me what would be my operatic dream role. It's a good question. Uh, I would say there's there's some great roles. Um, there's some big roles in opera. I mean, there's some seriously long, heavy bass roles. A lot of the Wagner operas, Sarastro, this and that. I don't that I don't necessarily want to sing those roles because I think a I just don't think that they're very good. I don't think it's very good music. I think it's really dry and boring in a lot of points because it might be you might have a lot of material but if, if you don't get the moments you know i mean what's the point i mean i'm thinking wagner you know Wotan's a great role alberich's a great role but i mean i think alberich might be a little too high for me and Voltan definitely right now too high for me but who knows maybe 30 years from now assuming that i would ever be in the position to sing Voltan, i really like that role uh very interesting, especially with his arc throughout the the ring cycle. There's four operas, and he's in the first three, and he's mentioned in the last one. But anyway, that's a great role. Um, Fafner would be fun. The dragon, the giant dragon, uh, that's a Wagner role. But I mean, that's I kind of those aren't my would be my first choice. I guess my first choice would be something like I like Osmeen. In the production from the Serradio, I like uh, Philip II and Don Carlo. That would probably be choice number one. Any of the bass roles in Don Carlo, Don Carlo are good. Uh, Philip II, the Grand Inquisitor, uh, Carlo V. I mean, those are all I think really good roles. Even Carlo V is a small role, but it has it has a good moment. I like I like a role where you can really sink your teeth into it. It gives you some good material, a to act and b to uh, really good music and really I like loud and uh, kind of booming those opportunities so and Verity writes a ton of them I mean Verity wrote some of the best music for the bass voice and maybe that's why he's my favorite composer I don't know but he wrote really good stuff I mean you could go to almost any Verity opera and the bass role is almost always fantastic I think it's Spada Fucile from Rigoletta I mean that's a great role he doesn't have a lot of stage time he has the, tri uh, the duet in Act 1, which is all of, I think I don't even think it's five minutes. And then he's kind of in and out in Act 3. He has a storm trio, which is a good good bit. But, um, but I mean, what a presence. I mean, Verity gives him this really menacing, dark presence. And then another role that I think is great with about as much stage time as the Commendatore and Don Giovanni. I would love to sing that role. I mean, because he has the moment. I mean, he's in the beginning, which is... I think a great scene in itself. I think that's probably one of the best operas ever, maybe the best. But then in the end, he has the moment, and the moment that everyone remembers is Don Giovanni a cenarteco min vitasi. And I'm half singing, so please don't judge that because in person, in real life, it would be much louder. But that great moment where the overture comes back and he's singing it and it's the reckoning. It's, it's the best scene in the work. It's it's really something. That's a great role. Also in Don Giovanni Leporello, I would love to sing that role. A lot of personality. 
I sang parts of it. Uh, I've sang bits and pieces of Leper Rebel, but never the whole thing. I, have, I haven't sang very many complete roles, if I'm being honest with you. Uh, that's a great role. I mean, there's some small roles. I mean, if you go to Monteverdi's offers, um, Garante, uh, the ferryman of the dead, he's, that's a great role. He has two little speeches. It's about 60 seconds worth of singing, maybe two minutes, but it's really, I would love to sing that role. Seneca in the Coronation of Popeye is a magnificent role, and he has a real arc. And that death scene, it's like, it's kind of like the whole work is almost built around that because it leads up and... Seneca's like the last character that might be able to stop what's going on with Nero, but obviously he dies, as I just said, and he has this wonderful, I mean, the stakes can't get higher in that scene, and it's this magnificent piece of writing that Monteverdi's put together, this complex character, and I mean, you think about the character development that he put into that, you know, it was, this was the 1600s he wrote this piece, and it's just amazing what he did with that role. I would love to sing that role. Great music, great character development, great drama. Um, Boris Gudunov, of course. There's a lot of roles in that opera. The title role would be magnificent. There's a lot of roles. Even smaller roles. I think Angelotti and Tosca, I think that's a great role. Colina and La Boheme. I mean, he has a, one of the best moments in the opera with Vecchia Zimara. I mean, it's a wonderful moment. Um, but yeah, so it's not necessarily what role is the biggest, what role is the longest. Uh, but it's really more about the quality over the quantity for me. So I would say Verity wrote really good stuff. Uh, Mozart wrote good stuff for basses, especially. Uh, Monteverdi, only three of his operas survived, but there's good stuff there. And uh, Bellini wrote some nice stuff for bass. Uh, Rossini, of course. Uh, Dr. Bartolo, or I'm sorry, Don Basilio, both of them actually, both of them are really good. Dr. Bartolo and Don Basilio are really good roles. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's more than you think for bass. Uh, but I would say those, those that I mentioned, there's not one, I mean, there's not like one that I, I have to sing this role. Because, I mean, singing is like my hobby. So, you know, I sing what I can and I'm grateful for the opportunities I have to sing. But there are dream roles, so to speak, but I guess that kind of gives an idea, but Verity is my favorite. I mean, he really writes the best for the bass. I think he writes the best opera, period. I would say him and Mozart and Monteverdi and Handel and Puccini, of course, and um, Bellini, Rossini. Um, those are all great composers. So that, if that, I hope that answers your question. Uh, you know, there you go. <laughs> but uh, good question. Important question. Uh, I, I love I love to sing. And hopefully hopefully I'll sing them all at one point. Who knows? You never know. Um, but who knows? <laughs> uh, but I think that's going to do it. I've talked for a while. And uh, I'm quite, quite parched, I would say. But um, I will see you next time. And I'm going to try to do one sooner. But I'm sorry I got carried away. I've... It's been a busy time, busy time. I've been busy, which is, thank God I'm busy. I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful to be busy with my career and my business and also with with other things going on and with singing. I'm, I'm, thank God I'm busy. I'd rather be busy than not. I'd rather be productive than not productive, honestly. Things are good. And uh, I'll leave it at that. So uh, I will talk to you next time. I hope you have a great night and uh, see you next time. Adios. Thank you. <laughs>